Wow, what a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s, a time of amrays and clamshells, a time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs, a time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of blockbuster video, the Walmart of the video rental industry, the mom and pop video store killer, the corporate big choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now, aside from Alaska for some reason due to lack of fast internet and parody Twitter accounts. By the way, The Last Lonely Blockbuster is amazing and you should be following them. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars who are in the know arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort, a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Episode 1, The History of Blockbuster and a Discussion with My Wife, Sarah Chipman. Blockbuster LLC, formerly Blockbuster Entertainment Incorporated, and also known as Blockbuster Video or simply Blockbuster, was an American-based provider of home movie and video game rental services through video rental shops, DVD-by-mail, streaming, video-on-demand, and cinema theaters. Blockbuster became internationally known throughout the 1990s. At its peak in 2004, Blockbuster employed 84,300 people worldwide, including about 58,500 in the United States and about 25,800 in other countries, and had 9,094 stores in total, with more than 4,500 of these in the United States. Competition from the Netflix mail order service, which Blockbuster strangely had a chance to purchase for over $50 million in the year 2000, but turned down. Whoops. Redbox automated kiosks and video on-demand services were major factors in Blockbuster's eventual demise. I even remember um, when I was working there and we got Video Store Magazine as store managers of the place, and they had a picture of what would eventually become the Redbox type of rental services on the front. And we all kind of looked at it at a store meeting one morning and said, yeah, we're not going to be around much longer. So through all this, Blockbuster began to lose significant revenues during the 2000s. And in 2010, the company filed for bankruptcy protection. The following year, its remaining 1,700 stores were bought by satellite television provider Dish Network, which is interesting because when we were at Blockbuster, we sold DirecTV. I don't know where that relationship ever ended up, but Dish Network ended up buying them. I think that's shortly after Viacom got rid of them. Um... While the Blockbuster brand has mostly been retired, Dish still maintains a small number of Blockbuster franchise agreements, I think those would be the ones in Alaska, which allows some stores to remain open in a few markets. So, with that... Didn't you see one in England? Yeah, but it was closed. Oh. Um, so, the Blockbuster that I started working at um, was the Blockbuster in Salem, Massachusetts on Highland Avenue. 
in the Shaw's Plaza. There was a KB Toy Works there. I think that blockbuster is now a Londy's Roast Beef and a Liberty Tax and a People's United Bank or something like that. Um, but at the time, uh, you know, it was, I think, a newer store. I think it was built in the mid-1990s, same as the one in Lynn here, um, near where I live now on Boston Street. Um, I was 17 years old at the time. I started there in 2001. Um, I owned my first car, just got my driver's license. The first car I got was an Oldsmobile Cutlass Calais, 1990, two-door red, had 5,000 miles on it. I thought I was cool shit. Um, but at the beginning of working there for the first couple of shifts anyway, I drove my mother's Plymouth Voyager minivan to my first few shifts. What more of a perfect young kid at a job than a kid driving his mom's minivan. Anyway, um, so before I even started working there, I began hanging out at that store when I first got my driver's license. And by hanging out, I mean, it, it's just where I went. You know, I liked renting movies. I went, went there um, every other day, video games, movies. My brother had worked in that store, um, Bob Movie Bob Chipman. Um, but he was now um, working for Suncoast Video at the mall, I believe, at this point. And um, I'd go there because I knew all the guys that worked there. We talked movies. And eventually they offered me a job. Um, interestingly enough, shortly after I first uh, after I started working there, uh, the events of 9-11-2001 hit. I was a senior in high school. And I remember very vividly going to the store and working or just being there and it being pretty empty. But our regular customers, especially the ones that didn't have TV at home, um, would come in and watch the events um, unfold throughout the news over those weeks on our direct TV in the store. And it was almost like a community meeting space, as weird as that would sound. And um, I have very strong memories of that, strangely. Um, it's a weird thing to have a fond memory of, but it, it, I wouldn't call it fond as much as it really stuck with me. Um, Another thing that, you know, I really remember, and I'd like to preempt that kind of the idea of this show is I'm going to have people on that I worked with or people who were important in my life, like my wife, Sarah, who we're going to get to in a minute. Um, and we're just going to kind of shoot the shit, tell stories about, you know, things that happened while we were there, things that were going on in our lives. But, you know, to kind of hit a few of them, uh, you know, inventories were a really cool thing at this store. Um, and you know, you'd have to scan everything in the store. So we'd wait till the weekend, um, because most of our inventory wouldn't be there, <laughs> which made it a lot easier. Um, I was 17 at the time and was underage, so I couldn't work until close. The stores closed at midnight for those of you that never uh, came across a blockbuster. They were also open 365 days a year, seven days a week. Didn't close for holidays. Never changed their hours. So even on Christmas, we had to work, or at least somebody had to work. Um, and they were open till midnight. We didn't, you know, leave until one or two in the morning, you know, after uh, working in the store. And it was, it was really interesting. Um, but anyway, I'd leave when I was supposed to go home at night and hang out with p other people from the store that weren't working. And then we'd come back and either help do inventory and get paid under the table or, uh, you know, just kind of stay there and hang out and watch movies on the store play, and then we'd all go to Denny's afterwards. And there was this Denny's in Danvers, Massachusetts, that had like a table that the Denny's employees referred to as the blockbuster table. Um, you know, we'd always sit there, 
And uh, it's interesting, you know, looking forward to that. That Denny's isn't there anymore. It's at, like an O'Connell Lodge or something like that. But they actually filmed a scene at a diner. It was supposed to be in Mahit with Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock um, at that uh, O'Connell Lodge and at that Denny's. So I always thought that was kind of cool. Um, also, oftentimes we'd be doing this on Friday and Saturday nights and the other patrons at this Denny's were often people in full get-ups for uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which they had midnight shows at, um, over at the Hollywood Hits Theater, especially around um, Halloween time. So that was fun. Um, another cool thing, fast forwarding a little bit, is when Blockbuster eventually closed, like I mentioned earlier, my brother um, bought me the gumball machine uh, from the store that we all worked in. And by we all, I mean the majority of my groomsmen from my wedding and a bunch of other friends who I hope to have on this to help share some of their stories. Um, at least 10 to 15 of the best friends I've had in my life I worked with at this store. Um, but the interesting thing about gumballs, why are gumballs important? You know, you all walked into Blockbuster. You've all seen that obnoxious um, standard gumball machine that every place had, the blue and yellow Blockbuster logo right on the front. And why is it important? Well, Blockbuster's whole business model was based on transactions. So it wasn't based on how much money we were actually making from these transactions. It was based on how many things on an individual customer transaction could you scan and send out the door with them. That's why they did the favorites rental because you're sending more product out the door. That's why they did deals on popcorn because you're sending more product out the door. It's how many times you scan something. So a gumball which costs the company a fraction of a cent, they're charging for a quarter, actually has the highest markup of any item in the store. And so these transactions for this gumball had to be done manually. It's not like the gumball machine is counting them, you know, every time they go through. So we'd send some new employee out um, when we knew we were going to have a busy week or when we knew people were coming back from college or from high school you know, for the summertime and needed extra hours and we'd scan the gumballs. And what that means is someone would have to count all the quarters and then go and do a single transaction and multiply it by 2,500 or however many gumballs there were and scan this gumball barcode. And what that would do is that would pad our transactions. So the year before it would compare the week that we're scanning now and it would say, oh shit, there's twice or 10 times as many transactions. It would then boost up your following week when you got the hours from the company. So it was an interesting thing we'd have to do. So doing the gumballs was like this really, um, you know, kind of degrading thing, but we all had to do it. And it was kind of like a way to pad the numbers and get away with something as it were as a manager there. So getting the gumball machine and having it still have those, you know, uh, um, little, um, Carlin Ray. Yeah, sorry. Thanks, Sarah. Um, the Carlin Ray gumball still in it. Now, Carlin Ray, okay, were James Woods and John Belushi or Jim Belushi. Yeah, John Belushi's dad, Jim Belushi, as a guinea pig and a rabbit in a pet store across the street from a blockbuster watching, you know, the people go in and rent the movies and they would comment on the movies. And this was in 1999, 2000. They spent a ton of money on this. It might have been 2001 because I remember us having to come in for a store meeting and they showed us the video and they were all amped about it. But anyway, um, Carl and Ray, again, were a promotion in 2000, 2001. So those gumballs had been in there since 2000, 2001. This was like in 2009, 2010. 
that Bob bought me this gumball yeah, machine. Here. Yeah, and I still have it. So Carl and Ray were still in there. So those gumballs were ripe, to say the least. Um, so yeah, th that's the interesting story about that. Again, when I have more people on, we'll go in more in depth into the inner workings of the store. But let me bring you to the point of this first episode, which is to have my wife Sarah on and uh, kind of have her give you some background in her um, history with Blockbuster and then get to how her and I met, you know, while I worked there. So Sarah, welcome. Hi, I can finally talk now. You can finally talk now. So uh, if you haven't noticed, podcast with Chris, and you don't get to talk. So um, it's it's ten a.m. We just spent an hour getting the store ready to open. So now we're open for business. Okay. Rock this thing on. Um, run the tapes, Chris. Run the tapes. That's right. We'll we'll get to those later too. Um, so tell me about your uh, your history with um the company that once was. Um, there was one down the street from my house in Beverly that I rented at. That was a franchise one. So you guys all have those weird like coupons in the paper and stuff that only worked at that one blockbuster. I don't remember coupons, but sure. I, I remember people. Them. I remember people bringing them in and complaining that they couldn't use them at my store. But I'm sure some of you guys took them anyway. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, that's about it. I dated someone at that store briefly. Did you guys shop there a lot? I did because I worked at the mailboxes, etc. Next door, so I usually went over and got movies. And because I like that guy, so there you go. But yeah, that ended about as quick as it started. You're talking kind of low. Womp. <laughs> so Anyways, so Salem Blockbuster. I had a job. It was actually the same store, um, mailboxes, etc. But the Salem location. It was owned by the same brothers. And my best friend worked with Chris at the Salem store, so I would go over. And hang out afterwards because I was a loser and had nothing else to do and no one else to hang out with. And I would just sit and hang out in Salem Blockbuster. I would play in the toy section. Um, sometimes I cleaned it. Sometimes I helped organize the tapes and face the shelves. I might as well have had a job there. I think I even applied, <laughs> if I remember correctly. I don't know. Um, that's about it. I met you. Yeah, so remember how I said earlier I'd have to, I was 17, and I'd have to leave uh, early for shifts. No one can see your air quotes. I know, I'm doing air quotes. No one can see them. For no reason. <laughs> and I'd have to come back, um, you know, or I, I, so Sarah and I would hang out. We'd go to movies. We'd, I was the one in charge of babysitting him. Yes, we'd hang out in the parking lot in our cars for extended periods of time. <clears throat> and um, <laughs> and come back. Innocently. In Innocently, yes, yes. Um, listening to uh, the Jane Silent Bob Strike Back soundtrack, listening ten to ten, foot, Tenacious D, Ten Foot, ten foot Pole. pole I do have to say that I liked like one Tenacious D song, and for like Christmas, he got me the entire CD and was so excited. And I was like, yay, a CD for one song. <laughs> but now I really like the whole CD, so. Yeah, I was an idiot. That's what she's basically but it was getting. It's not that counts. I still um, have it. So Sarah came along to, uh, well, sorry, our, our first date, should we, should we say. You should also note that I was 20 and he was 17. Hell yeah. Woo. And you'd think a guy dating an older woman in high school would be bragging. No, I was like a secret. Yeah, I was weird. Don't mind me. Um, but anywho. Uh, Dirty little secret. We um, we went and saw Shrek, the original Shrek, to, to, date, to date how old we are. The original Shrek debuted um, when we were first dating. We went and saw that at Hollywood Hits. Yeah. And uh, we then went and saw Jane, Silent Bob Strike Back 
by the almighty Kevin Smith and crew. Seven times. Seven times with the blockbuster crew. We saw it when it came out. Twice, just us. Yeah, we saw when it came out in the normal theater, and then um, they uh, Hollywood hits, which wasn't a first run movie theater, would take um, uh, movies and play them later on, like when they were out of the regular theaters, and they'd play them at midnight, one in the morning. So we'd close up shop and all meet there, and then go to Denny's afterwards, and that became kind of commonplace so um that movie's very important very special to the whole lot of us um so yeah that that's how sarah and i met which is really cool um all revolving around the blue and yellow the blockbuster video blue and yellow blue and yellow i guess it doesn't work as well um yeah so uh interestingly enough you know things things that you know when sarah would come and visit the store that since I was the younger, newer employee that I'd have to do would be do things like uh, shrink wrap the previously viewed VHS tapes that were getting put out. So you, we had a shrink wrap machine, which was like a glorified paper cutter that heated up and um, a hair dryer. And I would sit there and breathe in these wonderful shrink tube fumes. And she would kind of hang out right over by the Dropbox there and make fun of me while I did that because she's tiny. And could fit in between the uh, the don't steal this <laughs> cue thing. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> I'm little. Um, yeah. So so that was a lot of fun. Um, what else? Do you remember any other funny stories about um, that time? I remember I had no idea until after you had dumped me and then tried to get back together with me that I was your girlfriend. I had no idea what the hell I was. There was that. This is going to be the Make Fun of Chris podcast, I think, tonight. No. Um... I don't know. <laughs> I'll try to be nice. I'm your wife. It's my job. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a very awkward relationship. Because I had no idea what the hell we were. I thought we were just. I don't want to say friends with benefits because I didn't go that far, but I thought we were just hanging out, making out kind of thing. I don't know. But uh, you know, then I went to college and we got back together, and, and you I gave was me the old heave ho. <laughs> but then we got back yes. together and I was still working for Blockbuster. Yes, and I laughed at you when you tried to get back together with me because you were drunk as all shit. Ten beers in and I laughed at you. Yep. And now here I am. Yeah. So um so there's that. Um and then we got back together and now we're married. Been married for only four years in October. Four years in October. And um up until two thousand eight, nine I still worked for Blockbuster. Um I went from Salem to Woburn. Then to Swampskit, and I also worked for Lynn and Peabody and Middleton a couple of times during uh, that period of time. Yeah, helped out over there every once in a while. Um, So, yeah, there's that. So, um... He also gave me not-so-good movie rental uh, advice. Yeah, I I told her to rent... Where's my car? No, dude, where's my refund? I told her to rent, dude, where's my car? stupid-ass movie. I was young. And um, they did make Harold and Kumar after that, the same director. Well, that was better. Uh. But yeah, dude, where's... My... No. Just no. Nice. That was before I knew I could just come out of the tape and say I hated it and get my money back. Well, with some of us, you could pull that one off. I worked at the Beverly's. You went at the Beverly's. Must have been no, a they franchise. were a franchise. <clears throat> they were a franchise. Um, <laughs> so uh, something else I want to try to do, just because just it's fun, and I think it'll be a fun gimmick for this. Um, so, uh, you know, 
Blockbuster did this thing, or at least we tried to. The company tried to squash it after a while where we could have employee favorites. You know, you go into a video store. So I figured that me and whatever guest I would have on would pick an employee favorite, some movie, you know, that meant something to us from the time of working, or in Sarah's case, probably just a movie that she really likes. And then uh, the other person recommends an employee favorite, oh, no, sorry, a Blockbuster favorite, kind of the free rental you'd get with the rewards program to... um. I forgot about Blockbuster Rewards. To, to, to rent along with it. So I'm going to start with mine. Um, my employee favorite for uh, this week's episode of the Talkbuster podcast is a film filmed at Danvers State Mental Hospital called Session 9. This movie, I got to, when we worked at Blockbuster, we got five free rentals a week. And they wanted us to rent things before they put them on the shelves so we could view the product and talk to people about them. So um, session nine was something I had been following. Now, Danvers State Mental Hospital is now apartments. And someone I uh, ended up, I, I was working at Blockbuster with, ended up getting an apartment there, which is really cool. And I'm sure I'll have him on so we can talk about that later. And uh, my mother worked there back when it was actually open. It placed closed in the late 80s, early 90s. But um, she said it was incredibly creepy. It's known for being haunted. And they made a movie kind of about that where they're renovating it and getting ready to turn it into what else, what they were really doing, which was turning it into apartments. And a crew comes in to, like, clean out asbestos and clean the place up and um, ends up getting kind of tormented by uh, the spirits from there. And it's it's one hell of a well-done little low-budget movie. It was done by Brad Anderson, who also did The Machinist. And um, Next Stop Wonderland, which if anyone knows the uh, local uh, Boston tea, uh, Wonderland is the last tea stop on the blue line. Um, and it's just an all around really creepy, really well done movie. And living around here just kind of adds to it. And working at Blockbuster and being able to rent that and then tell people about it. Hey, it was filmed right up the street. was really cool. So, Sarah, I, I'm going to rent Session 9. That's my employee favorite. And what's uh, what's your um, recommendation for my favorite uh, blockbuster favorite to rent with my rewards card with that. I'd say the Paranormal Activity movies. Huh? It's a good series of movies if you like to be scared shitless. Yeah, they're they're very well done. I I think that'd be awesome. Cool, Sarah. What's uh What's your employee favorite? Tremors. Tell everybody about Tremors. Um, it's just a stupid movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really fun. talking it up. It's a stupid movie. Although well, it's it's not like. Oscar nomination worthy, but well, if you ask me, it is. But <clears throat> yeah, it's um, it's a movie about these underground. Do they ever give them an actual name? Um, I think they call them the Graboids. But there's never, I guess, actual. No, they're like sandworms. And then when it opens its mouth, it's got little smaller worms that come out, and it's like destroying this one poor town in Nevada, and Kevin Bacon's in it, so it's got to be good because who doesn't love bacon? <laughs> And it's got Reba. And Reba McIntyre, who's, like, my favorite all time. Um, and it's a really just funny, goofy, silly movie. If you want, you know, to watch a, a town in Texas in the desert get destroyed by these underground monster things, watch this movie. It's fun. Cool. Well, my recommend recommended title from the Blockbuster Favorite section to go with that is a movie called Alligator. And uh, I don't remember who made it. I, I didn't look it up. But um, Alligator was a movie I rented from Atlas Video with my brother, which was a video store. Um, it's now a hair salon. It was in Lynn, Massachusetts, in the Tower Hill area on Boston Street. And Alligator, um, I remember for having really, really great um, 
alligator effects. The, the, the robotic alligator was akin to the one from Jaws uh, of the shark. It was really well done. Um, and this movie is dumb as a bag of rocks, and I love the hell out of it. I think it was a late 70s, early 80s movie. Um, and, you know, it's just the, what else would scare a little kid more than, okay, alligator gets into the sewer, um, you know, lives unbothered eating rats and all this other stuff and grows giant and lets loose on this small suburban town. And there's a scene in this movie where a kid, you know, they're having like a fight on a, um, on a uh, diving board in a pool and the kid falls in and the other kid sees all the blood because the alligator was waiting there at the bottom and eats the kid and thought he hurt him. This thing has it all. It's very much in line with a movie like Tremors and I highly recommend it. Have you ever seen Alligator, sir? No. Oh, that's one to check out. All right. So again, this is the first episode of this. I'm trying it out. Um, Again, I, I thought nothing better than to kick this off with, um, you know, the most important person in my life uh, being my wife, Sarah, who you guys have heard on the Creating Geeks podcast and um, various other things we've done. Um, you know, we met at Blockbuster. It's important to us. But uh, get ready for, you know, tons of crazy, fun, wacky stories from the almost 10 years I worked there. And a couple of guys were there even longer before I was. So I'm sure they'll have some stories to add um, that I wasn't even there for. So. I hope you enjoyed this, um, you know, and uh, I really, this is something very personal to me and means a lot. Um, again, you know, this is made possible as well as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and the Creating Geeks podcast by my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the Chippa. Um, as of today, we're at a quarter of our goal for that. I'd really like to get that up to the full goal. Can't do that without support, sharing, and um patronage from folks like you again everybody that's done it so far i really appreciate it um again the chipman brothers tangent i do with my brother bob bob chipman you guys are probably already listening to that and creating geeks is a geek parenting podcast i do with my wife sarah and um again i can be found on twitter at at the chippa and my youtube account also has um, a bunch of this stuff on it as well um so that's about all i've got thank you for making it a talkbuster night or day, or whenever the hell you're listening to this. And I'm being tapped by Sarah. Be kind and please rewind. Oh, that was great. I'm going to keep that. (laughs) That popped into my head.